0: I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the
1: answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our
2: paper two days ago telling us who we have to take.
0: Welcome for another episode of the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Ryan Roberts and Alex Skillstrap. We're getting really close to finishing up these positional previews, and we actually have some college football coming up this weekend with Central Arkansas and Austin P at the FCS level playing. We do have, like I said, two more positional previews that we want to finish up. Today is going to be the cornerbacks. The last one will be the safeties. We've got a really polarizing group here, especially considering the huge level of disagreement and discourse we're about to have for top five rankings at the cornerback position. Guys, I want to ask this for the overall outline of this group. Because last year we had Jeff Okuda end up being the third overall pick because of how talented he was. Well, right now I can tell you, you guys do not have the same number one overall player. It seems like a lot of people are in somewhat of a a disagreement on the top player in in this cornerback group. So how far off are we potentially from whoever you might have as your top corner to Jeff Okuda last year? Ryan, why don't we go to you first?
1: I mean, so to answer your question directly, I I think if Jeff Okuda was in the 2021 class, he would be the top-ranked corner um, as of right now, anyway, I, I think it'd be pretty clear cut, in my opinion, anyway. I think the difference, though, between this draft 2022 comparative to 2021, though, is I actually like this cornerback class a little better as far as depth than last season. I think that, again, we have a, a, a potential elite talent at the top of last year's class. I don't know if we have a, a what I would call a quote-unquote elite talent, but I think that we have four or five guys that are eyeing for that top cornerback spot. I don't think that there is anything that is cemented right now. I think that this is a position that is in high flux. We could see a a ton of potential finishes when all is said and done. So uh, not quite to the talent level of Jeff Okuda up top, but I really like the depth of this class. And I think that there's a ton of guys that I'd be comfortable with in that first round conversation and definitely somewhere on day two as well.
2: Well, you got to you got to remember with Jeff Akuta, we weren't talking about him as this undoubtedly top 5 guy, this number 1 corner, true, and, you know, you know, through and through. But because we, he 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 really came into his own during that 2020 season where he really showed how dominant he is. So, I, do I expect someone to make that kind of a leap uh in 2020? It's hard to say, but just like Ryan said, there's so many guys I could take that top spot right here, and it really just comes down to, to production and, and and play in twenty twenty. Uh but as it stands right now, you know, what we know of Jeff Akuda at this point, what we know of these these twenty twenty one draft prospects at the cornerback position so far, I don't think there's anyone that's that's sniffing what Akuda was uh by the end of the twenty twenty season. I do I do like a lot of the potential in, in a lot of these guys though, like like Ryan said as well.
0: So before we get to these top five rankings, I've already teased it a little bit how much of a, a difference there is between both of your lists. You'll hear very quickly just how off the four and five spots on your respective lists are going to be. Before we get to that, though, I would like to hear your sleepers for this cornerback group. Ryan, who, who's a guy that you're keeping an eye on that could turn out to be a really good prospect?
1: One subcategory that I really like in the 2021 class specifically is I think there's a lot of really good nickel options uh, moving to the next level. Uh, Talk about guys like Elijah Molden from Washington and and, uh, Kerry Vincent Jr. from LSU. And there's a few other guys that I really like slotting in inside and playing that nickel role at the next level. But a guy that I think is getting slept on to a degree is uh, TJ Carter, who is in, He plays outside corner mostly for the University of Memphis. He's, he's that mold. He's about 5'10", 185 pounds, so he's not a huge corner. But what he does on the outside is very admirable in Memphis. And I mean that in the most positive way that I possibly can, can phrase that because he is matching up against larger wide receivers, and he's doing an excellent job. He's incredibly physical for a player his size. He's scrappy. He understands leverage. He understands how to get his head around, to get inside positioning. There's a lot to like about TJ Carter. I think that he's going to be a guy that ultimately is going to be pigeonholed because he's not incredibly um, incredibly lengthy. So he's going to be a guy that needs to play inside. But his his style really fits that mold. We talk about a guy that can be that, be that force player. He can be heavily involved in the run game. He can match up against different body types and different play styles. I think that he does an incredible job. Haven't heard much about him uh, this draft cycle so far, but I, I really like TJ Carter. I think that he's a day one starting nickel at the next level. And then, you know, we'll see what how, how he develops, right? Because obviously he's not going to get bigger. He's not going to get lengthier. But a guy like Brent Grimes, right, who was right around 5'9", five, 5'10", five, he started a lot inside. And then eventually, you know, for the Falcons and then later with the Dolphins, like he kind of figured out, this is how I need to stylistically play to play on the outside. And then he did it for a long time. So, can T.J. Carter do that? that? That remains to be seen. But I think there's a very easy projection to him in the nickel, and I think that he can potentially play that nickel spot at a high level moving forward.
2: I, you know, you you mentioned what what I have. Uh, you know, Joe alluded earlier in the show how we're about to hit a lot of disagreements here. But I'm I'm right on par. I'm really impressed by what this nickel class can be. And you actually mentioned who I want to talk about. Buzz is starting to come around on him. Being an SEC guy, being an LSU guy, uh, Kerry Vincent Jr. is is a phenomenal prospect to me. I mean, he, this guy might be one of the most athletic corners. He's going to test test great. Uh, I don't think there's there's a wide receiver in the NFL that can outpace him uh, on a nine route. Um, the only concern I have with him is it looks like he he, it's hard to tell with him. It's hard to tell if he's trying to bait. And I've heard him. I've heard people talk about Kerry Vincent and say he likes to bait too much. I don't know if it's that or is it's much as you know he doesn't understand uh, the 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 top of the route stem and, and anticipating where that, where that play's going. So I want to see him anticipate and stick a little bit more. I think he, he knows he's one of the most athletic guys in college football. So he can get away with letting a guy get a couple steps on them, uh, letting that quarterback try to put it in there and then closing in and making a play on the football, because this guy really has a great ball skills at the catch point. So I, you know, banking on that athleticism uh, and, and those ball skills, and probably going to best project to the NFL in the nickel. Um, I'm a big fan of Kerry Vincent jr. He didn't get a lot of buzz this past season, you know, Christian Fulton, Derek Stingley jr. were the headliners in that LSU cornerback room. But Kerry Vincent jr. Is, is might even be more impressive uh, than, than Christian Fulton, who's a lot of people had as a first round guy. So uh, just the, the, the flashes he shows and his ability to, to stop on a dime and close in on, on receivers at the catch point and make a play on the football is really impressive. And I think he has the athleticism that warrants, I mean, all pro potential at the nickel position at the NFL. I mean, you, you refine a little bit of his footwork uh, and kind of hone in uh, on him trying to bait if that's what it is, if that's the mindset he's going into each play with um, and he, he has himself try to stick a little bit more rather than rather than try to force those throws and make a play on the football. This guy has all pro potential at the next level. Uh, like I said, buzz is starting to come around on him. Uh, so he's not much of the sleeper as he was probably even just a few weeks ago. But uh, Kerry Vincent Jr. is someone that can quickly rise up draft boards uh, after a successful uh, 2020 season.
1: And, and Vincent's a guy that might be the fastest man in college football, Alex. Like we, we talked about right. that 100 meter dash, running for the LSU
2: two track sport team. athlete, right?
1: Right. Wow. So let me ask you, Alex. Here, here's a little one, right off the cuff. Here, over under for Kerry Vincent Junior's forty time at next year's combine, four two five.
2: Ooh, that's a that's actually a good over under. I think he's. You think right he'll around run that. faster
0: than? You think he can end at all, Ryan? That he could run faster than a four two five? That's a I pretty hope. low over under.
1: Uh, I know it, it is. It really is. I was going to maybe go four two six, but like. He, along with Anthony Schwartz, who we talked about a little bit in the wide receiver preview for Auburn, like those guys are hot, low ten, ten, um, ten, almost sub 100 meter guys. So I think that if there's anybody that threatens that daunted you know, four to one, that Kerry Vincent is very well on the short list of that conversation. So like, do do I think that he gets to like a four to one? No, but like I think that he's a guy that could. Easily run four two three four two four with a good start. Wow. He's, he's a track guy yeah. too. So like
2: – I was about to with say that.
1: Blood, you know?
2: Yeah, I was about to say this guy's a track star. He he knows the the technique at the start, and that's where a lot of guys, though, plays game speed so fast can can be kind of disappointing when it comes to the forty. We saw that in Jalen Rager. Yeah, he put on weight, but we were also still kind of disappointed in his 40, forty time. But this guy's got that track background at the collegiate level, and he's one of the best in the nation at it. So I think technique wise, this guy's going to be ready, and I I do think he can push for a you know a low four twos, you know under four two five for sure. This guy definitely has that kind of potential.
0: And sometimes there's a huge difference, like you said, Alex, in that game speed and being able to correlate that to running in a straight line. These track guys are always going to have a huge advantage uh, during these combine drills and pro day drills in being able to run a faster time because they have that experience running in a straight line. So guys, let's get to the main course here. The thing that everybody wants to tune in and hear some arguing over Corners and location. I, I just want to set the table here for how off your guys' uh, uh, top fives are for, for corners. So Alex has Patrick Sertain from Alabama at four. And at five, he has Paulson Adebo from Stanford. Now, we usually have a, a similar guy in here for Ryan and usually someone different. Just a little bit sliding up and down here. We don't have that this week. We have Eric Stokes from Georgia at four. And then Caleb Farley, of all guys, at five. The one thing I'm really interested in talking about is Caleb Farley, because I don't mean to spoil anything, but Alex is higher on Farley than you are, Ryan, as you probably could guess. Why are you so low on Farley compared to, I think, a lot of people in NFL draft circles? Why do you have him at five?
1: So, I I mean, so... Caleb Farley was the first guy to opt out of the college football season, declare early for the 2021 NFL draft. And I actually put it on Twitter, my official final breakdown of his film. Right, like I gave him a high second round grade. I, I think that I am a fan of Caleb Farley. I think that there are some inconsistencies and inconsistencies that worry me about not getting that extra year of of, um, of production and of game time film. Right, like he is. 62 207 he's a good athlete i think he's going to run somewhere in the 44s four like i think he's he checks all those boxes athletically i think that he plays really well from off man coverage he has incredible transitions he moves incredibly fluid for a man his size his transitions are smooth as anything i don't love him near the line of scrimmage Every rep i saw him i think that he has doesn't have the best eyes When working in zone coverage, I saw some busts of him in zone coverage. I I don't think that he has a good feel for that at all. I don't love him in press man. So I'm sticking with a guy at 6'2", 207 pounds that is going to be in off-man coverage more often than not. And while that is like a a show-off thing, right? Like, wow, you're you're flexing big time if you're that big and you're that good in off-man coverage. But like how the NFL is going today, like I need to see this guy near the line of scrimmage because – Although he's playing some good, you know, talent, obviously in the ACC against the Clemson's of the world and the North Carolina duo at wide receiver, at the next level, if you're not able to to slow down a player like let's say a Julio Jones near the line of scrimmage, then off man coverage probably isn't going to be the best idea, right? Like it's it's going to be very um, it's going to be a very difficult thing to not stole momentum on some of these incredible athletes early on in rep. So like, I need to see him more towards the line of scrimmage, make some plays near the line of scrimmage. I need to see him be physical there. And again, if, if, if the off man is, is the, is the crowning jewel of him, like I can get with it, but I need to see a guy that is able to match up against a, a bunch of different body types than just a specific type. So right now, I think that he's a high second-round caliber player that I know is going to go in the first round. So, like, let's get that on the table. This guy is going to go in the first round because, again, 6'2", 207, running 4'4", with ball production. He has great ball uh, He has great, um, great ball skills with playing the ball in the air. So I know he's going to go higher than where I slot him. I just have some concerns with him, and I don't think that what he does well necessarily really translates to the NFL as much as easy as what people are acting like it does.
2: Well, I I understand our disparity uh, ranking Farley based on what you said about him. So what we agree on, pros, size, athleticism, uh, speed, click and close ability, fluidity, ball skills, and you alluded to it, you you said that, you you know that's a plus part of his game and that's what makes him so intriguing as a prospect. Uh, I definitely agree with you as far as the zone coverage thing. I don't think he's comfortable in zone coverage. However, I don't value zone coverage very much. There's very few teams in the NFL that runs predominantly zone coverage. Uh, and for me personally, if I'm, you know, if I'm banking on a guy, I'm banking on a guy that you could put on an island. And that's where we disagree the most. I actually like him in press man coverage really well at the line of scrimmage. Uh, I, I, I know you're not a fan of it at all, but I think he's a really balanced. I think he has great hands, and he can really redirect the beginning of the route stem. Of, of, of wide receivers, both the, the big physical receivers like you alluded to and Julio Jones as well as the smaller guys he can really take advantage of with that length and physicality. Um, you know, I, 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 I don't see the same things you see as far as his his lack of press man ability at the next level. Um, you know, I, I I think he stays square. Uh, I Like I said, I love his, his balance. Uh, his ability to let let it come to him, let the contact come to him, and utilize that length very well, and redirect wide receivers. So I, that's just somewhere where we just saw things differently, and I think that's what's the biggest uh, difference in us. And and it kind of shows, it reflects in our rankings for sure. Um, my biggest concern with him, like I said, I'm not really worried about the lack of zone awareness, um, where you know, and I saw the same place that you did, just because you know. <sighs> Zone coverage is just not that value to me. Yes, do you, do you need to be able to run zone concepts and be able to hold your own in that department? Yes, but as a as a prospect, I'm I'm really going to to prioritize and and it's going to be weighted a lot more heavily his ability to play in man coverage. Uh, and I think he can he can be a sticky guy that can uh, cover the best man on the other side of the field. My biggest concern with him, however, is just the injury history. You know, I think he what was it ACL tear in uh 2017 and then he had i know he had some uh late uh season injury problems little nagging injuries uh at the end of last season so him being able to play a full season and show you know and and show um that he can stay healthy is going to be the biggest concern and not having him in 2020 is you know kind of problematic in that regard however he can get his he can take this year off to get his body right uh work on the things he needs to work on as far as uh understanding uh concepts in front of him that's where you see those those big misplays in zone coverage so uh I'm actually a lot bigger fan like I said I think the biggest disparity between the two of us is we see his press man ability very very differently
1: well now I know who Alex's number one ranked corner is
2: (laughs) that's
0: a perfect lead and let's let's get right into guessing these top threes because Ryan's already throwing his pick out there. Ryan, why don't we switch things up today? Why don't you go first in guessing Alex's top three, considering you already put out that you think Caleb Farley is his number one?
1: I feel good about this one, Joe. I don't want to jinx myself, but I, I feel hear good, it. man. I feel good. Um, Caleb Farley, one. I'm going to go Sean Wade, two. And I know Alex was drinking the J.C. Horn Kool-Aid a little bit with me, so I'll go J.C. Horn at number three.
2: Alex, what um, we got. All right, my guess. Uh, I know he's he's JC Horn CB one guy. It's pinned on his Twitter, if you were wondering. Uh, so unless anything's changed in the last month or so, I'm I'm gonna go JC Horn number one. Um, I'm gonna say Sean Wade, the safety net uh, that he can bring in that nickel position at number two. And are you a Patrick Sertain guy? Uh I that's the best guess I have unless I'm going out on a limb. So I'm going to go Patrick Sertain at three.
0: So Alex, sorry, rather uh, Ryan was 100%. He got Alex's yes! top three completely correct. <laughs> and Alex, you were so close. You were so close to getting Ryan's. You had Horn, but it was then certain and then Wade. So you okay. F- yep, you flipped those two guys. Look, there is a lot to unpack here with the varying – arrangements in this ordering and just for time's sake so we're not talking for the next two and a half hours because we know that anyone who's listened to the previous show that we did and now this current show you guys disagree tremendously just when it comes to corners for some reason you you agree on everything else but when the corners come out
2: I trust my eyes in this cornerback like this is my if you didn't know and I know Ryan knows cornerback is my favorite position to evaluate this is where I'm going to bang the table the most Um, (laughs) so so I you know I I know we're going to get a lot of differences each draft season from here on out because this is one that when I see it I'm sticking to it so uh, I just love cornerback watching
0: Ryan, I I want you to bang the table for your guy here to essentially close this out. I want this to be the final discussion. J.C. Horn, why is he your number one? Why is he too higher on your list than Alex's? And why do you think he is ahead above the other guys for you?
1: Well, I I mean, I would start out by saying I appreciate Alex having him at the third spot. I I feel like that is even higher than most people (laughs) are on J.C. Horn. I mean, some people think the Mukwamu kid, the other corner from South Carolina, is better than JC Horn. That, Hell like, no! Don't a, ever say we, that again. I, hey, I, I, I didn't <laughs> say that. So. No,
2: yeah, but I know you're not saying it. But I don't want that to even be in this universe. They're going to timestamp this, and I do not want that because that's not even close. That I, I, JC Horn is ten times the corner Mukwamu is to me personally. I,
1: and we could talk about Mukwamu on next week's show, I think, in the future. But um, that you, is
2: oh, that's a great point. That I I'll let you talk, but that was perfect. I love that.
1: Yeah, yeah. So maybe we'll talk about Mr. Israel next week. <laughs> I, I I don't hate, you know. It's just you know six four, and he's got clunky change of direction. Like I I don't see a cornerback there. But J.C. Horn for me, and I, I've talked about this so much at this point. So you know I'm just going to keep kind of regurgitating the same concepts a little bit. So. You know, whether we want to talk about it or not, and and I don't, not even talk about it, whether we want to admit it to ourselves, the pedigree part of the conversation is a thing, right? Like NFL pedigree. This kid, obviously, his father was Joe Horn, who was an an all-pro wide receiver from the New Orleans Saints, great football player. JC has clearly been around the game for a very long time. He has instincts to him. He has an understanding of leverage. He has an understanding just to how things are developing in front of him. So that being said, he's a kid that I think sees the game very well. Now, when you look at a physical perspective, right? Like obviously he has to back that up. He's six foot one, he's 205 pounds. So he has an incredible frame. He has played nickel as a freshman. He has played outside corner this past year. And if you watch his game this past year, It's going to put you to sleep a little bit in the best possible way because people do not test him. They want to, you know, crown McQuamu as the best corner, right? Because he had four interceptions and like 12 pass breakups or something like that. It's because people are throwing at that kid. JC Horn had nine pass breakups and no interceptions last year because people were terrified of him. You could see it, they're not even looking his way. So I have a kid that checks all the boxes. People are already afraid to throw at him. And I talk about how the NFL is going all the time. It's a matchup dictated league. We're looking at wide receivers now that can line up outside, inside. They can move all over the formation. This is the type of kid that can neutralize that matchup. Wherever the best receiver is, J.C., you got him. Oh, he wants to move into the slot. Oh, we're going against Chris Godwin, right? Like Chris Godwin's lining up outside. Oh, Godwin wants to go into the slot. J.C., you got him. Wherever he goes, you are the number one receiver magnet. You are covering him nonstop. And he has those physical traits, like I said. He's got the size. He's got plus speed. I think he's going to run low 4'4", so he's not like the blazer. But I think he's going to run four four eight 8", at 6'1", 205 pounds, which is going to check a box. And I think that he has very good transitions for a player his size. He's super physical at the line of scrimmage. He tackles. I think he checks all these boxes. And – Similarly, and I'm not going to say that he is in the conversation with Jeff Akuda, because we talked about that earlier, right? Like I don't think there's a guy in this class. But the moment that J.C. Horn, because he's going to have an opportunity to play football this fall, the minute he has an interception, two interceptions, th- gets to three, whatever it ends up being, kind of similar to how it was with Akuda, because we saw some highlights his sophomore year, but then like where's the ball production? There's no interceptions, right? The- this J.C. Horn kid, the minute that he starts getting a couple of interceptions – People are going to start to, to uh, second-guess their evaluation in the summer. They're going to start to look at him a little differently because people look at the box score sometimes and they say, this kid doesn't have an interception. He doesn't have good ball skills. It's not true. Go watch the game. He has ball skills. He had a, he had two interceptions called back last year because of penalties that had nothing to do with him in, in the play. The, he has those wide receiver ball skills. You watch his highlight tape as a four-star kid, highly recruited kid coming out of Georgia. He was a great wide receiver. He could have played wide receiver at almost any school in the country. He was an athlete coming out. So there is so much to like here. I think he checks all the boxes. And then at the top of the class that we didn't really get into, right? Little guys like Sean Wade, Patrick Sertan. I think that there are some there are some concerns with those guys. Sean Wade has been a corner as a nickel purely at Ohio State. And while I really do like him. I like the traits. I see a lot of good things about him. He's not playing this fall, and he hasn't played a full season outside. So that's a big question mark. Patrick Sertan, what type of athlete is he? Like, I like him again. I think his awareness is great. I think he has great length, but I don't think he's an incredible athlete. I think he's a mid-4-5 guy, which, like, okay, that's fine with his length, but, like, uh, is the Seattle Seahawks going to be, like, the team that's going to value him high? Like, who who are the teams, right? Because I think, like, a cover three-based scheme or a, a press man solely team are the only teams that would even consider a guy like Patrick Sertan just because of the transitions with his size. So I think that there are some question marks up top, and I just love the all-around profile of J.C. Horn. I am predicting it right now. I've been predicting it for months. The minute this kid gets a couple interceptions this year playing SEC football – changes that narrative about his ball skills even though it's a false narrative. I am sold on him being not not only a top, you know, five cornerback in this class. I think he could genuinely rise to the top of this class because I think that he uh, he just has all the talent and all the traits necessary to being a first round pick, being a top 20 pick in this draft and a number one corner at the next level moving forward.
2: You, 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 man, you painted that picture. Uh, I, you know, I'm a big JC Horn fan. You put me on to him very, very early, uh, in this draft, this draft process. So, um, so, you know, I have met CB three right now. There's, there's a little bit more question for me on his transitions. Uh, I think he's a little stiff when, when asked to, to come down, uh, click and close, you know. So I think he's very, very good in press. I think he's very, very good in zone. Uh, When it comes to off-man coverage, you can see them, you know, dink and dunk on him a little bit. Uh, You know, I worry about that at the next level, I should say. So a big fan of J.C. Horn. I think, like Ryan said, this guy with some, you know, for those box score scouts, you know, that – don't even have to claim to be box score scouts, but the ones that really prioritize the the ball, you know, the ball production for cornerback for defensive backs in general, uh, you know, they haven't come around on them right now. You know, many sites have them outside of the top 100, and I think that is crazy because this guy is talented. And when you have, you know, one thing that you get from having a son that is a, a another, prof, you know, a professional football player's. Uh, a son, you know, they come in knowing what to expect. They're, they're not thrown off. They're not thrown by surprise by what's asked of them because they've, they've lived it, you know, with, with their dad. So I think there is some pluses to his dad being this all pro receiver, um, you know, growing up next to him. So um JC's a very impressive athlete. I think he's going to do, he's going, he knows what to expect at the NFL level. I think he's going to transition very well to the next level. And I think he's a couple interceptions away from being, You know, one of the top guys, just like Ryan said, uh, in this draft class. So, big fan of J.C. Horn. I think he's going to be like the the guy for this podcast that you know we're pounding the table for over everyone else, and we're going to be earlier on him. Uh, You know, I got to thank Ryan for that one, but uh, but yeah. So we're we're, as a podcast, we're high on J.C. Horn. Uh, We're excited to see what he does in this ten game SEC schedule. I think you're going to see more ball production if, if if they even decide to test him.
1: And I'll say this, Alex, one thing that surprised me about your list before we get off here, man, like, aren't you a Georgia guy? You don't have any of
0: those Georgia guys on your list? (laughs) Yeah,
2: yeah, I am a Georgia guy. Tyson Campbell, I don't see top 15 guy. That's kind of crazy to me. Yeah, I know you don't either. Uh, You know, I was a big fan of him coming in, five-star guy, and, you know, he impressed early. But, you know, there's some injuries and inconsistencies that I'm not completely sold on him. I mean, he has all the – all the traits physically uh, but i need to see more consistency i need to see him on the field more consistently too and then like, and then
1: i like stokes man i like him i like see stokes. i like
2: i like stokes a lot uh he he actually finished at 6 for me so i mean he's just outside of my top 5 i you know i don't carry obviously you're if you're doing things right you're not carrying any bias um in your rankings so though i am a big georgia fan uh big eric stokes fan he came in at 6 for me right now uh, but that can definitely change since he's in the SEC, and he has one more season to improve on uh, improve on some of his techniques and, and everything. So uh, big fan of all of all of these guys that we've talked about. I think it's, like Ryan said, it's an impressive class. Uh, you know, that second, third, fourth round range, I think the depth in this class is, is far superior to that of the 2020 class. And I'm excited to see who takes, takes on the crown of CB1. Hopefully we get one of those guys that stands out like Jeff Okuda did uh, this season. So big fan of this group.
0: Well, that is going to be it for us on today's episode of the Cornerback Preview. As you can tell, we've got a lot of polarizing opinions on this corner group. Thanks for tuning in, as always, folks. Be sure to follow us on social media. You can follow me at Joe DeLeon. You can follow Alex at Alex Gilstrap. You can follow Ryan at Rise, the letter N draft. And then also go follow the show's Twitter at NFL Prospects Pod. Also follow Believe Podcasts at B-L-E-A-V Podcasts uh, on Twitter and Instagram and head to Believe.com.